on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Anne-Marie there and Charles. Adios. You're listening to Radio Newark on this bright and sunny Sunday morning. Uh, lots of people in the town, probably, oh, about halfway through maybe um, the half marathon at the moment. Hope they're all having a good time. Mm, they'll be um, puffing away by now. <laughs> I'm sure they will be. Um, I know that um, Cherry, one of our two guests this morning, has done the half marathon before. She perhaps mentioned that shortly. Anyway, you're listening to The Girls Around Town. It's me, June Rollins, in the chair right now um, in the studio with me is Fiona Theokratov. Sue is um, around and about and uh, our two guests are here. Joining us in the studio immediately right now is um, the first of those two. It's Cherry Davis and um, Cherry and Fiona are going to um, have a bit of a chat I think. So Fiona over to you. Okay well we're going to be talking this morning about the five gynae cancers. Now they're somewhat the Cinderella of cancers. They don't get the attention that perhaps things like breast cancer does. Um, but it's, you know, the fact is that over 21,000 women are diagnosed with one of these cancers every year. So it is, it's an important health story for us to know a little bit more about. And that it seems that the most important thing is for people to get a bit more awareness and a bit more of an understanding about it, their risks and, and if the symptoms that they're experiencing could be linked to one of these cancers. And I'm very pleased to welcome Cherry Davis here this morning, who is someone who has their own story of, of gynae cancer. She had endometrial cancer. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story today, Cherry. It's really lovely to see you again. Thank you for inviting me, Fiona. All right. Well, look, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about about how how things happened for you and what you did when you started to get your symptoms. Yes. Um, well, I was retired for probably two years and... Um, life was jogging along nicely you know mm -hmm. so you, you're starting to do your retirement I plans starting to do my retirement plans and enjoying gardening dancing doing all sorts of things with and, family yeah we had you run the half marathon at that point or i was, done did two that... half marathons wow <laughs> in those days i was quite energetic but um yeah and i was life was jogging along lovely and suddenly in 2005 january i noticed that um I had an unpleasant discharge, actually, and it was something similar to what ladies experience at the end of a period. And immediately I thought, this isn't right, something's wrong, and I went off to see my GP, and initially I was treated for an infection. But I was also seeing a gynaecologist at the time on a fairly regular basis, and had been for quite a few years. So I made an appointment and went to see him, um, and again, there was no real cause for concern, it seemed. And as the weeks went by, I started to have more symptoms. But again, I reported those as they came along. And May arrived and I was... Off so it's five months now. This was five months. And I was given some medication to take with me to Portugal. And whilst I was there, I was experiencing really severe tummy cramps abdominal cramps and so bad that I actually rang and I spoke to the gynaecologist whilst I was in Portugal and he told me to stop using the medication and when I returned which was um, the end of May coming probably early June I then had an internal uh, ultrasound scan to inspect the lining of the womb 
and the result of that showed that the lining of the, the womb had increased to 8.5 millimetres. Now, that didn't mean anything to mm. me because it completely went over my head, um, not a medical person, and I'd put my trust into the person in, in the hospital that I was under at the time. Um, and again, there was no urgency to get to the root of the problem, but by July, I was actually having abnormal bleeding. Oh, dear. And as soon as I saw that... I knew immediately, well, I knew in my heart of hearts anyway something was radically wrong. Mm. But as soon as I um, started bleeding, I rang the hospital and asked to speak to the consultant. And I wasn't able, able to be put through. And I asked for an urgent appointment, and again, I couldn't get one. So in sheer desperation, uh, I went back to the GP and I said, you know, there's something radically wrong. I do need an urgent appointment somewhere. Can you refer me elsewhere, please? And I actually felt disloyal having mm. to do this. But you had to be quite persistent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to look after yourself. Thank yeah. God. Um, but I felt disloyal because I'd been under this particular gynaecologist for uh, quite a few years. And within a very short time, I, probably something like 10 days, I'd had a hysteroscopy, which is a small procedure actually under anaesthetic where they take a biopsy from mm. the lining of the womb. And, of course, the result of that was that it was endometrial cancer, which was a huge shock. Absolutely Right, so the symptoms that you'd had, you had no I, idea that... I had classic signs and symptoms of endometrial cancer, and it had taken but, me almost seven months mm. to get a diagnosis. Mm. And in all that time, I hadn't seen any information in waiting rooms, right. either surgery or hospital, okay. that would indicate that... That was the potentially was, the problem, yes. right? So, so, so you then had surgery, presumably. Yes. Yeah. About ten days later, I went into the city hospital in Nottingham, had a full hysterectomy, um, lymph nodes taken away from the pelvic area, mm. and thankfully, the cancer hadn't gone outside the lining of the womb. Mm. So it was contained. So yeah. it was contained, and I made a full recovery. But mm. I think it took me longer mentally to recover than it did physically because of the the route that I had to go down to get this diagnosis and it was very frightening and it was the loss of time yeah. from the time I first reported my first symptom to the time that I actually got the diagnosis. Yeah. So and you had over six months of feeling unwell yes, and not being sure yes. what was going on. And I think the loss of time, the outcome could have been very different. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, six months can make a lot yeah. of difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you did have a very good outcome. And I that was, you said that was back in 2005. 2005. We're here 12 years later. Yes. And I can tell people that you look <laughs> extraordinarily <laughs> fit and well and happy. I am extremely happy to be here talking about it, you know. Um, and it's a passion of mine now is to try and promote awareness of mm. these cancers because, as you well know, they're not talked about enough. No, they're not. They're not. Th things are beginning to change, but it's quite slow. Yes, and I know yes, you've totally. done valuable work to help people who've been diagnosed with uh, these cancers and mm. also raise awareness. And we're going to going to have you back in a few minutes to talk a li little bit about that. Yes. Good morning. I'm talking to Cherry Davis about gynae cancers. Um, we ju we've just heard Cherry's experience of getting diagnosed and then her treatment. Um, 53 women are diagnosed every day with gynae cancer, and unfortunately... 
21 of those will die so the statistics are still quite harsh um do you you you're you're you know you were talking to us about what happened in 2005 do you think that practitioners would be more vigilant about picking up the signs and symptoms these days cherry yes i think so i think that the gps now have had extra information on the signs and symptoms of these cancers and i think they're more aware mm. um of what to um, look for mm -hmm. but what i would like to say to all you listeners are that if they have any concerns at all anything that's abnormal for them to go to their gp and have them checked mm -hmm. if they go to their gp and they come out not feeling happy with the diagnosis feel empowered to go back and have a second opinion and keep going back until they are satisfied because generally i feel that women know their own bodies and they know when something's not right so I would definitely, and also, um, I would encourage all women to take up their invite to go for their cervical screening test. Yes, because that's every three years up to about the age of 49, I believe, yes. and then for every five years after that. Yes, absolutely. As I know that not every, not every woman takes that up, no. takes that invitation up, and it is a vital part of um, ensuring, you know, at least some tests uh, on your health. It's a test, health check. And if there, I think if there are any precancerous cells, they'll be picked up then, and obviously mm. treatment start before. Yeah, I know. It, I know it develops into by no worse. means a perfect uh, screening, but it's but it's it's better than nothing. Yeah. So yes. the message is, if you get persistent <coughs> symptoms, yes. be persistent with your doctor. Exactly. You're listening to the girls around town here on Radio Note with me, June Rollins, with Sue Jackson, with Fiona Theocratoff, and with our two guests for the morning, Cherry Davis, who was talking um, just before that piece of music, and our second guest, who is about to um, have a chat now with Fiona. Um, we have Dr. Sue Adine in the studio with us. Good morning. Thank you for coming in. Good morning, June. And over to Fiona. Hello. Thanks, thanks, Suha. Now, Dr. Suha Dean is a consultant, visiting professor, and lead in gynaecological pathology at N uh, NUH, that's the Nottingham University Hospitals Trust. Good morning and welcome. Thanks morning. so much for coming in to give us the benefit of your expertise. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about, about how, you, how you come to be at, uh, in the position that you're in and how long you've been working in the research field? Good morning, Fiona. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm, uh, I started doing pathology many, many years ago. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I specialize within pathology and gynecological cancers and gynecological diseases. And uh, from the pathology side, not the clinical side, uh, for the last 13 years. When I, uh, in Nottingham, and when I started, I, I, I've got a passion for research in gynecological cancer. Uh, there were very few people, uh, very few scientists and uh, medical uh, people doing research in gynecancer. But now we can notice that the profile is increasing and people are more aware about gynecological cancer. Even entities are more uh, classified. So after all those years with the increasing knowledge, I just feel that probably it's about time to give back to the public what I learned from this job. Um, just, uh, I think it's just fair to benefit everyone well, from this. That's that's mm. great because when we were talking um, before we met today, you 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 said that you think that these cancers are the Cinderella of cancers. You know, they don't really get quite the public attention that um, some, things like breast cancer does. 
Well, that, that is very true, particularly when gynecological cancers are not common. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and because it affects women and because it affects probably younger age women, it's always missed for, oh, she's been hormonal, she's, uh, she, uh, for other causes and that's why it can be missed and because it's rare it's not when i say it's rare it's not that rare uh, we get about uh, m- uh, more than 8000 endometri- uh, womb cancer a year mm. we get about 7000 ovarian cancer a year but this is by no means as common as breast, as and breast colonic cancer, cancer. Mm. and usually the su- people support uh, a cause when they've got relatives uh, suffering from it or themselves or they've got personal feelings and passion to it and because there are fewer people in that position so mm. you don't get that you support. don't get quite that that enormity no. of support you don't get the, the sort of millions of people doing the runs for things like breast cancer yeah. i suppose yeah. yeah yeah so well i was talking to cherry earlier and she she made a, a very clear point about being persistent if you get persistent symptoms do you would you have any other advice for 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 women who are talking to their gps about the about about these symptoms that they're experiencing well the main advice that you consult you need to consult your gp whenever you feel there is something out of the ordinary because women get used to a cyclical uh, rhythm and anything that's different from the norm should be reported to the gp uh, cherry was very unfortunate in her story because really her symptoms were were really typical of endometrial cancer but uh, usually uh, sometimes the symptoms are vague and women can present with discharge uh, a she may feel embarrassed to go to the gp and mm. talk about uh, such topics and that's probably something that it needs more education and awareness uh, because it's it's physiological is mm. normal people should talk about it the same way they talk about their sore throat yeah and but that can be hard for for english people sometimes i think yeah but, uh, <laughs> but but you were talking about about symptoms like that but are sometimes symptoms even more vague kind of just blo- some bloating or feelings of discomfort uh, that is more to, uh, of ovarian cancer so persistent okay. bloating for long period because bloating can happen a uh, with the period or with uh in a a menopausal state or it can happen with any uh, irritable bowel syndrome or anything like that so you can't see the gp you can see the gp but the gp cannot refer you every time you've got bloating but bloating persistent bloating for two three months then that means something that needs to be referred to the GP. The GP, I'm sure, having heard that the woman suffering from bloating for three months would refer her. But that's typical of ovarian cancer. So it's about going and being able to say how long things have been going on for and if it's consistent and all that kind of thing. Uh, And also noticing it because sometimes we as women, we ignore it ourselves and we try to give explanation to it because i ate something or because i did this and, mm, and we yeah, it's important to be aware be aware and we need to refer that to the gp every whenever we feel that mm, mm. okay welcome back i'm talking to dr suhadeen about uh about about gynae cancers and i just wanted to ask you about is, is there a sort of a genetic predisposition to any of these cancers are they genetically linked 
were mainly ovarian endometrial are and uh, to a degree of course not all of them so the uh, with the ovarian there is a proportion of cases where they have got some genetic um, derangement as in it's called brca BRCA, uh, which is seen in breast cancer mm. and that's why all ovarian cancer now are tested for that so those that will select those cases that have got genetic predisposition uh, the non-genetic ones that's unfortunate and women may get them so my, are there sorry to interrupt you yeah carry on uh, my other point is about endometrial cancer where there are fewer cases where they are part of familial cancer however the great majority, we can prevent them. So if we are lucky enough not to have the genetic predisposition that we cannot control, uh, we can control our weight and we can get rid of obesity to avoid uh, endometrial uh, womb cancer. So is that one of the things that your research is showing, that there's a link between um, obesity and the likelihood of developing endometrial uh, cancer? This is a very well-known fact uh, for a long time, but unfortunately probably it hasn't got the right publicity and didn't really reach people. And that's really my aim to increase awareness about obesity and the link to womb cancer. Because it's an avoidable one and it's a very... It makes me really feel sad that if you can, can avoid it, why not? Mm. It's, we're so fortunate the, enough not the to The public have. message about, you know, getting, getting healthier, losing weight, maintaining a good healthy eating pattern is vital to give you a, a, a sort of a tool against developing womb cancer. It, it is really vital and by no means I'm underestimating the difficulty in losing weight. It is difficult. I tried to lose weight and I know how difficult <laughs> it is. But uh, we have to. We have to. to oh, it's When we balance our l- uh, likeness to food with cancer, mm. I think we, we know the answer then. And most GP surgeries got now the facilities to advise about diet and health. Absolutely, lifestyle. yeah. Okay, well, that's so it seems as if that's the single, that's the, that's the single biggest thing that as women we can do is to be aware exactly. of our weight. Yeah. So if we su- uh, summarize the first part of this uh, chat and the second part, be aware about any unusual symptoms, report them to the GP. And if you are overweight or obese try to control your weight thank you very much for being so clear about that (laughs) we're going to have a little bit more music and then um we've got just under 20 minutes left of the show so we will get some contact details we'll find out um how you can find out more and um generally um i think we'll get cherry back in as well perhaps yeah we're going to talk to her her about raising awareness and the work that she's done yeah Texas there and when we are together well we are all together now we've got a studio full of ladies um, myself June Rollins have also got Fiona Theokratov um, Sue's back in the studio and our two guests Cherry and Dr Sue Dean are both here too so it's nice and cosy in here um, we've got just a few minutes left to um, sum up some of the points that we've been making in the interview in the last uh, 45 minutes Fiona over to you again well, Cherry's back in the studio. Well, we're all back in the studio. Yes, there's sort of barely room to, to swing a proverbial. <laughs> but um, Cherry, I want to ask you about, obviously, you, you had a, a successful outcome. And I know that you've spoken to me about give, you giving something back in terms of helping women who are now diagnosed. So can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do um, on the, the telephone support? 
Yes, if there's a uh, newly diagnosed patient with endometrial cancer, um, I will ring them if they wish and just talk to them about my experience and help them. I can empathise because obviously I've been there. Um, I usually ring that lady probably three or four times, give her my number. She can ring me any time of the day or night and it's really just for support and to be able to sort of relate to her because I've gone through that experience Absolutely. and so I have had you... this telephone sorry my no no I had this telephone support myself and it was invaluable right and have you had feedback from women who've who you've helped yes yes quite good feedback <laughs> I'm sure which is nice I'm... it's lovely I feel as though I'm doing some good then yeah because I'm just thinking to to be shocked as you were saying you know how shocking it is when you get a diagnosis yes. it's, sometimes it's so frightening and yeah. if you can reassure somebody give them a little bit more confidence um they don't know what to expect obviously and then you can just say you're in safe hands fantastic team you're under you know you're going to be well looked after mm. and that really reassures them mm. i think that personal connection must must mean an awful lot to everyone who's going through that so what about um i know that as well as your one-to-one support there are there's a lot of support that people can access through the maggie's center now in nottingham yes can you tell us a bit more about that it's it's not gosh which is the support group now it's actually held in maggie's and um if anybody wishes to go it's held on the last tuesday of every month there will be a specialist nurse on hand so if anybody has a a problem they need to speak to in private she can go off with the specialist nurse into a a separate room and have a private one-to-one there's obviously other patients there that can empathize so it's sort of peer support also speakers they have in evenings as well so it's quite a nice informal gathering cup of tea cup of coffee and sometimes it's just an informal chat around the kitchen table. Yeah, just learning and helping yes. helping each other. Yeah. Mm, okay. And are you still are you sort of involved with that at all? Not quite so much now. I'm taking more of a back seat on that, you know. But um, during the years since I was diagnosed, uh, we've had eighty thousand leaflets with information about gynae cancers. It was produced. Uh, the content was provided by the clinic at the hospital where I was treated. And they've been distributed out, well, so across, across the county, basically. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's another step towards yes. raising people's awareness, right? And I know that um, September traditionally is the awareness month for the gynae cancers. Um, if you want to find out more, you can, from a national perspective, you can go onto the website for something called the Eve Appeal. Um, they run a, a lot of. awareness raising campaigns through september uh dr dean was talking to me earlier about um a video that she's in the process of putting together that will be made in time for the awareness month in september so look out for for, look out for that on east midlands today because it might you never know it might make it onto the onto the six o'clock news one of these days (laughs) (laughs) and we'll certainly put something on our um on our own website when um when uh, either Cherry or Dr Dean let us know that the video is available, I'm sure we can help get the word out through um, through the show, through this show, and also through our um, social media uh, for both Girls Around Town and Radio Newark. Um, and I think, yeah, that that would be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, any last any last thoughts today, Cherry? 
Well, what I would say to all your lady listeners, you know, if you have any concerns, please go and have them checked straight away and <coughs> don't be fobbed off. Be empowered to go for a second opinion and put embarrassment to one side. I think that's top advice. That's a good takeaway message. We're going to um, head towards the news. Thank you both very much indeed, ladies, for coming and joining us. Thank it's you. been lovely to see you, and I'm sure we will see you again. We-